Sounds good. Hey, folks. How are you doing out there? Thanks for tuning back in in the new year. Um, new year, new co-host. I'm not going to say that, but she's always been around, and she'll continue to be around. I have Jess Weary with me right now. You know her from some of her music we've had live here. She's been interviewed before, and she has hosted with me before. Uh, Jess, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Excellent. Excellent. Great, great to have you here, and there's a reason for you being here. Uh, we, you introduced me to these cats, uh, writers, okay, Brent Winzik and Chase Will, correct? It's Chase Will. I always want to say Will Chase. Yes. Right. Uh, but Brent is tonight. We're going to get, uh, Chase another time. I heard that you were on Chase's show as well. He does a podcast, right? Yes. Yes, I was. Okay. And did, did you get to play music or... No, I did not. Okay. Well, we need you to come back here live and play some. We're doing some Zooming right now, folks. Uh, we like to have Jess in studio because she sings for us. It's very nice. And uh, right now, uh, I guess your family is uh, they're hiding somewhere in your house where you can be by yourself and things are quiet. Yes, they're hiding in the basement, the dungeon. <laughs> nice. Well, if, if we tuned in a little earlier, it would have sounded like a werewolf transformation here as my dogs were battling each other. Uh, which could happen again at any moment. It's always a nice little soundtrack to the event. But yes, Brent Winzik will be on here very shortly. He's a sci-fi writer, among many other things. Uh, Space Cadets is the book I read. Now, again, how did you meet Brent? It was actually at Living Dead Weekend. Oh, nice. Yes, we were there. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was uh, walking around trying to beat everybody. I met Chase, immediately was engrossed with his book. And uh, the next time I went, I actually got to meet Brent. Mm -hmm. And I mean, instantly, it was just like, these are my people. All right. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've not seen you like that in what I've known you now 10 to 12 years, I think. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you've ever been that happy around anyone <laughs> by meeting another human. <laughs> yeah, so. no, sometimes, you know, if you're people, you just click. Yeah. And uh, it did for you. I was impressed because, like, you're, you got to meet these guys. Like, All right. Yeah. I ended up, I bought a book. You bought a book. And uh, we ended up talking to them. And then, what? We ran into them at Krampus Fest, too. Yes. And that was fun. I didn't know they were going to be there. Did you know that? Um, I knew that the idea was tossed around, but it was definitely a shock when I was like, oh, you guys are there. Awesome. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. And I feel bad because I was supposed to introduce them to a couple of folks, including Miss Heather Taddy was there and other people and i got wrapped up you got wrapped up and it really it wasn't even being busy we were talking to each other talking to other people and just timing was off and i felt really bad about that but i will get see if i can get miss taddy on chase's show at some point his podcast i forget the name of it something horror what's it called i'm not sure i'd have to look oh he's gonna kill us <laughs> i know uh, i have the worst memory mom brain 
Uh, well, when uh, Brent comes on, we'll ask him. Now, I, they don't do that together, right? Uh, Brent, uh, they, are, they are two separate writers, folks. I don't want to get you confused. Brent Winzek is tonight on Space Cadets, and Jess, you're covering with him. His, he's a playwright as well. Yeah. Yeah, I actually just found that out, too. And he was able to send me one of his pieces, and it's um, absolutely amazing. Ah, and he's uh, very, um, what do you want to say, uh, energetic. Um, he's a force when you meet him. He's charismatic. Charismatic, big time. Yep. Um, I think he's wise beyond his years. I'm not sure how old he is. I just know he's younger than me. Most people are. And he, like, I don't know. Like, he almost, he's like a, like talking to Gandalf. And then sometimes he's like hanging out with a 15-year-old. Yeah, he's. Uh, how would you explain it? I just. It, I mean, charismatic for sure, but yeah. he's one of those people you talk to him, you're like, oh, okay, I know you could tell me a couple of stories, like, you know. He's got a few. Just talk for hours and never even realize it's times past. And they're about to meet him here. Uh, we're gonna hear yeah. some tunes tonight too. I got, of course, one from Jess Weary herself, Amy Dearest, which you guys have heard before. Uh, we debuted it here. I've got a few bands. Uh, PMAD, and the way to spell that, folks, is a lowercase p-m-a-d, PMAD. These guys, I played some of their stuff, and I hit them up for an interview, so hopefully I'll have them on. We'll hear something from them later on, as well as in, I believe you pronounce it, Jess, I've, that song I sent you, In Violate? Is it In Violate, yeah. In Violate, yeah. Uh, Dance with Shadows. That's definitely a metal band, fronted, female-fronted metal band. I couldn't explain them any other way. Uh, the guitars are amazing. Uh, my buddy Mark Alexander is in that band, and he was in a band called Three Quarters Dead, folks. If you were with us way back in the day, uh, 12, well, 10 to 12 years ago. we st I started 15 years ago. I don't think he was that early, but Three Quarters Dead. Now he's in this band in Violate, and definitely metal. Listen to the riffage, folks. It's good. And um, Jess, what's going on with you and Amy Dearest? Is that, again, an EP happening? Are you working on other music? Yeah, so that song was just my single. Um, I was trying out recording, you know, professionally with uh, David Granati. And it, that's actually going to be the beginning of hopefully an album that's going to come out within the next year. It's a concept album. Mm. So the whole point of that song is to lead into this short story concept that I have where Amy is one of the, uh, you know, one of the people that this main character ends up meeting along the way in her journey of like self-discovery and you know just trying to figure out life but through a mythical type of thing so Ooh, okay i like i kind of gathered that listening to the lyrics oh i see you're going red again now you're deep crayola red hair today yes. yeah last yeah, time yeah, i saw you, there was blonde turquoise last time from what i recall then it was green <laughs> yeah, was it green okay yep. all right that's probably my eyes um, what was I going to tell you? Yeah, we're waiting for Brent's going to be joining us. He's not late or anything, folks. We just want to get a head start here. Um, and before he chimes in, um, what was it? Oh, yeah. You should also know that, and I've mentioned it before, Dr. Peeler, demon psychiatrist, her father is the artist on it, and Jess herself is one of the main characters. She's our muse. Uh, I'd say there's maybe five main characters. She's definitely one of the top three, if not number one, next to Dr. Peeler himself. How's that progress coming on issue two, Jess? Uh, so far, pretty good. I actually was just, uh, my dad showed me some little sneak peeks of what he's been working on. And without giving anything away, uh, Jess Weary looks pretty badass. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Oh, definitely. I wrote you a really cool fight scene. So, uh, yes, yeah. I, I can't wait for 
everything to be finished up and to come out. Yeah. I mean, I tried to make it as Marvel Comics a fight scene as can be without, you know, stealing things from Marvel Comics. Um, but it's definitely, uh, yeah, it definitely, uh, it's good for your character, I think. And it's going to, it's very vibrant and introduces a few things about the characters. And uh, then they have to deal with a kaiju monster, which will leave things literally, uh, not cliffhanger, but you guys guessing what the hell. But it should, I, I think it's going to spark interest. I don't know. We'll see. Um, hopefully people enjoy issue two as much as one. And what else you got going on other than this? Welcome to Kettle Wars Radio again, but now you're like, you've moved up an echelon or two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, aside aside from uh, full-time mommying. Yeah, know? right? I didn't know if you wanted uh, to talk about that, because this is your break. Yeah, she's a full-time mommy uh, as of, when was oh, that? Wait. That was, uh, how long ago has it been now? How many months? He is six months old oh, now. Oh my god, I was going to say four, but okay. Jeez, and he, I, well, he's not there right now, so I guess things are quiet. Things are very quiet. He's currently watching Bluey downstairs, um, <laughs> which never thought I'd enjoy a children's show so much. It's made for children and adults. And it is amazing. I think I watch it more than my child does. Well, um, you, you might be helping a lot of uh, stay-at-home moms and moms and dads at home right now with, oh, we can watch something while we have these kids with us? Okay. Yeah, it's not watching Frozen on repeat. Oof. And it's funny because I've been introducing him to classic horror. So oh, um, we actually just watched The Fly, uh, the original, as well as the newer one. Vincent Price. Yes, Vincent. Uh, love that man. That's amazing oh, man. timing. I I'm sitting here staring at The Fly on the wall, which is my the action, the Mego action figure of The Fly. Um, oh wow! Yeah, it got picked it up at Living Dead Weekend. See, it all comes around. Um, actually, D, D bought it for me, and I'm staring at it as you say that. That's just too weird because I haven't watched the original in so long. So, what? Wait, the Jeff Goldblum one? You're gonna subject him to that? Oh, I already did, okay. and he absolutely loved it. Oh my God! Well, mm -hmm. we'll see later on how that turns out. <laughs> Hopefully, love... he turns out like me. <laughs> That's a classic movie. I actually saw it in the theater way back when. Yeah. But anyway, wow. um, all right. Well, we'll get right back to you folks when Brent joins us. Uh, we're going to listen to Amy Dearest right now. So you get to know Jess a little more if it's uh, your first time listening in. And uh, we'll get back to you with our guests. And we're going to talk some space cadets and playwriting. And, yeah, I think you got a few more things under your plate there with him as well. Uh, something about anxiety. I don't know. All right. Thanks. Yep. We'll get right back to you folks.
right, folks, friends, and fiends, welcome to Kettle Whistle Radio. You already met Jess. You've met Jess many, many times. And Jess introduced me to our next guest, as I've explained, Brent Winzak. Do you like that M in the middle, Brent M. Winzak? Uh, it depends. I love it because my dad is a car mechanic, and the initials BMW are not something that he realized until maybe like a year into my life my mom pointed it out okay and from that point on he always has made the joke that i'm the only bmw he'll ever be able to afford and he barely was able to afford me nice i I set you up for that one i totally set you up um right right yeah so please use it i love it i do love it i'm glad to have you on right now man Uh, i don't have my camera working however you can see miss jess i think I, it's well, and the effect of your picture here is as though it almost feels like you're with us. Yeah, yeah, I am He's sort just of. Pointing at that's us great. Yeah, he's pointing. Yeah, <laughs> I want you to be on my podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's when I had very long. Which hair. is kind of how we met. You know, that's kind of the vibe of we explain, our maybe yes. the first breath breathed between us. We, you know, it's funny. That's what Jess. We were just talking about. You know how he, <laughs> she met you and introduced me. Like you got to meet this guy. So, like, what was the initial introduction like with you two? When Jess, are you are you uh, on baby duty? Or are you with us right now? Nope, I'm here. There she is. Um, actually, you know what? I think the initial thing that that got us to be like, oh, yep, you're my people, was uh, the card reader. We were like, oh god, oh, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because um, because and we were already mutually acquainted through Chase Will. Ah colleague and author um part of the reason that i am doing what i'm doing right now truly i give him a lot of credit for egging me on with this um and yeah we were we were uh, i was having an issue with my card reader and thank god i knew that you were also vending because um you had also vended jess at the monroeville uh june living dead con right weren't you that that one i was supposed to be yeah we were um, supposed to that be that is when i was pregnant so right, right. Yeah. And I'm yeah. trying to figure out when we crossed paths prior to October. Or was uh, it October and then December? That's what it was. Yeah, because we ran into yep. Krampus, which was great. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Krampus was the second time seeing each other. Okay. Yeah, I owe, you, That's I, what I, I owe you an apology, Brent, because uh, I got why? busy that day. I was supposed to introduce you to a, fo- a few folks that day, and I just – and you and Chase. And I completely uh, – I, I, I was – I don't know, bedazzled by everything around me going on, and then I might have actually sold something. And <laughs> but I apologize. It's totally fine. We were actually that was a really awesome weekend. We were far busier than we anticipated, so like I no harm foul, my dude. Uh, well, all right. So we got Space Cadets. I finished reading uh-huh. this lovely book. I had so much fun with this. Um, <laughs> and like you said, sometimes a book. Actually, I said this, and you agreed. Sometimes a book comes along right at the right time. I was looking for something less heavy than all the um, conspiracy theories and a lot of horror novels, a lot of, I mean, you know, world ending type stuff. And then, um, of course, I read the Beach Boys memoirs. I don't know how that fits in, but I needed something completely. Oh, hey, listen, which one of them had quite a bit of to do with Brian uh, Wilson? Brian, well, Denny, Dennis. Uh, Manson, right? Yeah. So. No, that's in there. But Brian Wilson's memoirs, yeah, I, just, I just read it for inspiration. It was kind of weird. <laughs> um, it's, it shows my age because I'm not a Beach Boys fan. However, I just wanted to hear from one of the greats, and I learned a lot. And I learned a lot about something, Brent, that can help all writers and Jess, you too, with any, uh, especially music or writing that you uh, have on hold. His, um, his album, Smile, the one that he wanted to put out for like 30 years, it took him 30 years to put it out there. He went back to it and put it out. Before that, you know, Pet Sounds and everything else. 
everything took over and things like what is it uh, life is what happens when you're oh i don't know but the point being he went back to a work he wanted to publish and he got it done 30 years later we all have stuff on the back burner i know you both do life is hard but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier hi my name is blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Toulousma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Electricast. Yeah. So, Jess, what the heck makes you decide, you know, it's time for this song? Just a moment? Yeah, honestly, because when I was pregnant, I put everything on hold. And I ended up just kind of, like, clicking at some point. And I'm like, I don't want to lose myself. I need to do something else. So, I actually even... This is just within the last two weeks. I mean, I just... (laughs) I started writing. I wrote a new song. I'm changing my entire sound. Um, wow. You know, you just start to kind of vibe with different things, get different inspirations. You're like, ooh, you get like that anxiety rush. You're like, I gotta, I need to do this. I want to do this. Like, I need to make a change or an impact on something. And you do. So, well, yeah. Brent, Brent is no stranger to that because uh, I, <laughs> after reading Space Cadets, I looked, uh, you know, the back of the book, you do your explanation. And then I got into some things that Jess is going to talk to you about as well. Um, but yeah, this all came from a different, very different place and format. And here I'm holding this wonderful book, um, Space Cadets and the Legend of the Galathion. Is that did I say that right? Galathion? Goliathon. Goliathon. So it's Goliathon. like David and Goliath, yes. and then you just add the on. There Goliathon. Well, um Crazy. this yeah, man. Um so it's a space pirate quest adventure with two competing factions of completely illuminating and vibrating I, I gotta say vibrantly fascinating characters. That's what held the story for me. Um I, I don't know how else to explain it uh, because I like that the focus was on the characters and that is so in most sci-fi that get they're just names and they're not developed the story well, comes along because the characters are so driven and as you are familiar <laughs> um, I kind of had to it's always been very important to me uh, to make these characters very distinct for two reasons the first was very practical, and that is that my feedback from the from the dawn of this project, which was June twenty fifth, two thousand and five. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my so theory. talking about right that there, yeah. that Beach Boys, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that advice about the there we go. Sit, you know, keep sit with the project. If it takes you thirty years, it takes you thirty years. Right. Um, this has been a process that'll be twenty years in twenty twenty five, which is pretty. Smoke. Intimidating, but also it's been very cool. It's been liberating for the project in a lot of ways. Um, and I will sidetrack myself, so uh, forgive me. Let me. I'll draw it back to um, those characters. Uh, a lot of the names uh-huh. uh, came from improvisation. A lot of the scenarios mm-hmm. come from improvisation. Uh, John Cleese. I'm a. I am a school of a few different minds of thought in creativity. Uh, chief among them, Michael Crichton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Crichton has left us wonderful tidbits uh, about his process that I adore. Um, and John Cleese. Hmm. And 
John Cleese, he specifically in his Professor at Large book where he spent um, he spent a, several years as an adjunct professor at Cornell University, and he would lecture on things like writing and script writing. He brought in, um, oh my goodness, uh, help me out, the guy who wrote Princess Bride, both the book oh, and the screenplay. Wow, this is the second uh, time this book has come up. Um, William, uh, there you go, Bader-Meinhof effect. Jeez, uh, I don't know. Um, Jess is on it. <laughs> yeah, gosh, I I know it's William. There are list- he calls listeners Bill, are sure. screaming at their their William computer. I know <laughs> William Goldman. It is Goldman. Yes. Yeah, see, I always I always want to say yeah. Perfect. Um, thank you. Sorry, listeners who were shouting at me. It happens. There's <laughs> a lot. Right. No, I'm, I'm to blame too. But I, I'm, yeah, glad, yeah. I'm glad you said John Cleese because John Cleese so shines through. I, I that makes sense now with your characters' names and what you're saying. But go on, please. Well, and his school of thought around creativity is all based in psychology, which is one of the other things that during the the credit card um, debacle. Uh, <laughs> Uh, during which Jess and I were referencing when we met. Um, what he's referencing, I got to tell folks that don't understand. If you work conventions, oh, yes. sometimes the Wi-Fi is not so great for your square where you're trying to actually make money being there. And when you run somebody's card, there's no connection. So you turn to the table nearby, adjacent, or just Brent, and and you ask if their card reader is working. Go on. <laughs> Yes. No, that's fair, David. Thank you. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I go, I swear to God, I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I've been holding your credit card for 10 minutes. That's I know. so funny. I swear to God, I am not looking at your information. I'm not looking at it. I don't want to remember it. Nothing it, about it. It happens. Fine. I promise. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yes. Every mm-hmm. single show, there's at least one situation. Jess, Jess has saved my skin probably a dozen, a half dozen times at least. Uh, oh, with her, I, you know, yeah. actually, I believe that she charged the copy of your collection of shorts that I bought from you. And <laughs> there it is, ah. testimonial evidence, folks. There you go, because because <laughs> we we had the conversation a few times that weekend. Uh, um, hilarious, beautiful venue, but I think that the the constant cloudiness and rain really mm. does <laughs> mess with that. Um, yeah, and I worked IT, so I can that's I, that's testament to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, John Cleese has been a really big part, especially his uh, psychology writings have been a very big part of my own mental health journey and my uh, journey with my creative process mm-hmm. um, and redeveloping that and restructuring that. I'm a very organic writer uh, and creative, and that can lead to very impulsive spouts of creativity or lack thereof. Um, and then that leads to like I, I have this constant need to be crafting something. Mm-hmm. I need I'm a storyteller, right? Whether I'm acting in something and developing the character to better convey a story that's already on the page or developing something for the page, uh, which I've, you know, found a lot more I uh, found myself a lot more empowered to do in my 30s than I ever did in my 20s. I agree. With um, you there. And you're in great company because I know Jess and I feel the same way about creating. Right. Constantly yeah. Creating. Well, know. And there's that backlog, too. I actually um, – one of the things that I do want to make sure that I tease while we're talking today – stay there, little Cthulhu, for those – everybody's just listening. I have a little Cthulhu on my desk. Yeah, He's my little – A poster of – oh, I see reptiles behind you. Uh, Jess is a little bit oh. into them, and they do shine in your book a little bit. You like reptiles, which I, I really enjoyed. The uh, Candelonians, I believe. 
Is that how you say that? The Candelonians, the Phalamons are also and reptilian. My favorite the character, turtle creatures. Glygorg. Uh, Glygorg. Was, was Glygorg your favorite? Is it Glygorg? That's how you pronounce it. There's a Y. Glygorg, yeah. Um, he mm-hmm. is among three. Um, among the top oh, three. Okay. Mm-hmm. So who are your three then? I can't say too much because I don't want to spoil things. Um, and there was some okay. death involved. So I can't say too much. But um, oh. I, I will say this. I prefer your villains over your heroes. I do too. Does it show that badly? It's <laughs> it shines. It shines. I, I'm just let me say. I'll say my bit and then you say yours. I just want to. But Brent, yeah. you, you created like my kind of sci-fi adventure. Like uh, through the um, the Gal- Galathian or Galathian. How do you say it again? Goliathon. Goliathon. Uh, it, it promises like an underlying tone of universal domination. However, you take a right turn and do what I love. You focused on the small group with the microcosmic adventures that like that have pretenses to an eventual universal transition but you got these great characters just doing their thing and two factions of them which and you don't know who's going to prevail i like that too you also don't know who's going to make it and i was very surprised a few times um and but you focus on the cadets and pirates and you do not waste time outlining the politics of space i really enjoyed that and you maybe why don't tell people what it's about (laughs) Yeah, well, I I like to because I know it's I have I think one of the greatest compliments I received was when I was still working on it in radio drama form. Um, and again, I uh, I was referencing John Cleese and I'll bring it back to that to wrap that up with this thought, which is. In his psychology studies, he really gets into the psychology of creativity. Mm. We all as humans have the capability for creativity. There's no such thing as like a, a, a non-artistic person. We all are inclined to certain forms of self-expression. They manifest themselves differently, right? Carpentry, working with your hands in that manner, is its own form of craftsmanship and artistry. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, so it's a matter of creating a free state of play where the human brain, regardless of its outward age or the societal expectations that may exist outside of a a comfortable set of four walls, um, theater clubs and theater companies. I'm looking at you. Um, <laughs> you know the the more the ones that serve the arts, not mm-hmm. themselves. <laughs> um, and they're hard to find, uh, but they do exist. Um, that is that is that is where that kind of natural storytelling can happen best, and it's where it happens. Um, for any person who can if, – if you can replicate that safe state of play where there are no rules about age or expectations other than bring your imagination and just yes and that, right? And I do have a background and some experience in improvisational comedy um, from college that I expounded on the Space Cadets project experience with. Because cool. it, it oh, wait, formed so you, as a – You're not afraid to get on stage and, uh, and do stand-up? I've never done stand up. Oh, no, no, no. Curious. But I'll okay. do I've done yeah, I've done improv and I am a I do have a I'm a I would say I'm a seasoned performer at this okay. stage. Oh yeah, well Jess um, Jess is definitely gonna elaborate on that with you. Oh gosh, okay. <laughs> well. Um so but I was really I loved finding this element of John Cleese's writing because I realized how um, I had a group of friends in high school who were all in theater club and we mm-hmm. all had one thing in common, we loved science fiction. And many of us wanted to go into entertainment in some capacity, and many of us did go on to study it in college, and many of us have gone from then, from there 
on to work uh, on both coasts uh, or on either coast in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we'll elaborate on that at some point if it's pertinent, maybe not. But um, <laughs> it's a wonderful group of people. And one of the things that we all had in common was that we created a found family of friends where we had a safe space. And part of that safe space was this Space Cadets project. Um, we created these characters, which are weird manifestations of our egos and insecurities. Um, it was a spoof. It was us making fun of like the star Wars prequels and the old star Trek original series. And, um, it kind of was this hedra of a project that grew its heads out of another dragons, another dragon project's head that I had tried to chop off, you know, and then, we just killed it right then and there in the parking lot because we all I pitched them this idea uh, based on my research for the other project. It's this wonderful little organic thing that this seed that grew out of my teenage theater club in high school um, and persisted with us through college as we went on to I studied film and theater. I had several friends study acting and technical theater, so we would apply our skills and add more practical effects and you know, the wonderful thing about as technology has advanced is that I grew up, <laughs> I like to say that because I grew up out here in southwestern PA at the end of the 20th century, um, I, you know, I like to joke that like I grew up in the 90s in Pittsburgh, which was like growing up in the 80s anywhere else uh, pop culturally. Uh, and that reflects itself in all of my tastes, right? I was raised on what my parents thought was cool on HBO when they, they were newlyweds in the early 80s, you know, like. <laughs> And they got married very young, so like they would would have been in their early twenties. Um, and like, I I'm probably rambling a little bit now, but mm. I grew up studying those kinds of even just as a kid uh, studying those kinds of practical effects use in science fiction and fantasy. And so you know, by the time you get to my high school days, I'm able to buy a mini DV camera and my own ramshackled computer for editing on adobe suite um because you know technology had gotten to a point where that was something i could do from my basement it became Um, a tangible thing you can do yeah yeah uh, and that evolved with me in college and i started taking what was like these little 10 minute episodics like it's kind of wild i never put them on youtube when i was younger because i was worried somebody would steal my concept Mm -hmm. and i and the, the the rights holding with youtube back in the day was mm. the freaking wild west and yeah. there were no rules and it was and also i have music in there that's licensed even though it's like three songs spliced together it's still identifiable so i can't really put it out there um i'm i'm actually in the process of trying to restore some of that footage with original music because um, awesome. i have all the i still have all the original audio raw footage some of the tapes have deteriorated but more or less i can supplant the the dialogue again and basically do my own uh, post sync and then cut the, the audio from the scene that has the licensed music. I've been in that process for a few years now. That's a headache. But it's a, it's a, it's a back burner project because I hate editing. Yeah. yeah. And because I've moved more into the realm of writing. Um, and that's where like, again, backlogged projects uh, and the back burner, the, the next thing I have coming out, which also kind of ties into the theater connection is uh, it's a collection of five different shorts, uh, short one act plays. Uh, one of them's adapted from a screenplay that I never got to produce. 
Um, but it's a collection of short one acts that can be produced individually or strung together in one production as like a sketch comedy night um, with these interstitials that are uh, called executive decisions. And it's, it's about, it reflects very cleverly, I hope on the challenges of writing science fiction and fantasy in a post star Wars era and the shadow that George Lucas has cast even on himself um, <laughs> by the time he gets to the prequels in the nineties. Uh, and th it was a year in the, process we whittled it down from 10 different possible scripts my my protege zach gold and i shout out zach what's up buddy um and we'll be publishing on uh may the 4th of this year hmm. uh great. and it's all it's all resuscitated scripts that i wrote in my 20s that i m matured with zach's help and hold, and hold that thing editing. steady man i'm trying to see that there we go oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll read it to you this is unfinished art <laughs> you want to read that aloud yeah, so that's so for the listeners. The title of this forthcoming work is "Alas, Poor Uranus: Science Fiction and Fantasy for the Stage." Um, and my co-author Zach Gold and I have spent the last year putting this together. It's a bunch of uh, existential and comedic, quick-hitting comedy. Well, I'll read you the back. Uh, in a world bereft of science fiction for the stage, two playwrights bravely set forth to bring the theater-loving public a collection of strange and surreal short scenes. The result? Winzek and Gold's Alas, Poor Uranus, a collection of sci-fi and fantasy for the stage. Explore a realm of stagecraft inhabited by abandoned spaceships, fairy tale woodlands, and interdimensional hot tubs in this quick-hitting <laughs> comedy compilation for thespians with otherworldly taste. Uh, and this is a result of me always wanting to write in science fiction and fantasy uh, when I was in undergrad and grad school and, and uh, doing a lot more writing in, in the theater realm um, and never having material to perform in that genre. And Zach is very much of that mindset. He also studied theater and film um, uh, at <laughs> at a point where I was in a position to kind of like you'll guide him through his last two years in undergrad. Um, and we've collaborated ever since. Um, and this is kind of the, the, the fruition of that. He also edited, uh, the, the play that I had sent to you, Jess, uh, last train home, which came out in June of last year, uh, which is another one of my former play scripts. Yeah, actually I wanted to touch on that because I just finished it. Um, it's a, pretty nice quick read but it's so easy to read it's so wonderful to understand um i oh, i have so many questions about it so <laughs> you said you, you keep bringing up theater right yeah okay so where exactly did your love for theater come from like because you know you you go from sci-fi but this isn't necessarily sci-fi is it it's more so like almost like digging in the back of your brain of mm -hmm. what like, I don't know. It, it's more mental health to me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah, it's um, it's existential surrealism, I like to say. Uh, my Three of my, I would say, biggest influences uh, in terms of contemporary playwrights are Charles Mee, um, whose work I've had the pleasure of performing multiple times and whom I have been able to sit in on a seminar with, too, uh, when I was still living in New York. He's wonderful. Um, uh, Nikki Silver, uh, whom I 
almost met. I don't know where you went, Nikki, but you were supposed to be at a book signing at that really cute little uh, theater script store downtown, and you must not have had anybody show up because I got there an hour and a half into the, what was supposed to be a four-hour deal, and nobody was in the shop at all. Oh, man. It was such a bummer. And then Sarah Rule, uh, whose work I also adore and have had the pleasure of performing. Um, and that the the work last train home was a culmination in 2017 2018 of a lot of um engagement with their work not only in my personal portfolio i was pursuing acting um because i was freelancing in a lot of different ways when i was in new york i was paying the bills with uh technical theater and production work and administrative theater work um and I was pursuing the creative side, uh, pr- primarily my writing and my my acting. Um, and so I was, you know, I had to be developing things for my audition pieces and for my reel, et cetera. Uh, and I always, always have been writing, no matter what other creative pursuits I've gotten distracted with. And that has been true since middle school, um, since sixth grade. Uh, I still have somewhere, it's buried now because we're in the process of we're getting ready to move. Um, but I still have, it was like a 10 page. It was only supposed to be six. It was a 10 page, uh, creative writing assignment that I did in sixth grade for English class where we were supposed to demonstrate, you know, a, a, all of the different forms of expression in prose metaphor, simile, you know, um, comparative statements, etc. Um, and I wrote this awful, awful, it like reads like a bad B movie ripoff of a Jurassic Park sequel. <laughs> uh, but I was in sixth grade and I was just in, I was just reading Michael Crichton constantly. Uh, I, it may have been intravenous. Um, and it was about these three Crichton, explorers who end up Crichton, in Crichton, South America. I'm sorry. I didn't What's mean that? to, I didn't no, mean no, to you're good. I, no, I didn't mean to trip all over you, but Crichton happens like he, like he, he, you, you, um, dive into him real deep real quick and then what happened with me is i i, I broke away after that and then i tried other th- other people and other things but yep. so you i could tell you like you were when i met you i just can tell and and you definitely have a love for, oh, yeah. for reptiles and lizards and monsters i could tell that right away but go yeah, ahead I yeah yeah and that predates that's like it's a weird chain reaction in my life that kind of led to the, you know, the, the inspiration of the muse, mm-hmm. um, which is why I have too many stories uh, along these lines. Um, and uh, so, yeah, the contemporary playwrights and last train home being the culmination of a lot of that study and my work in New York. Um, and this made it through the, uh, the three, I, th- I believe it's three selection rounds that they do. It might be just two um, for uh, the Eugene O'Neill Theater Conference, which happens every year. They do it for playwrights. Of, I can't remember the exact name. I don't know that that's it. Uh, and Last Train Home, it was not in the shape that it is in now. Uh, the ending was not the same. It was a little more disjointed. I had wonderful notes from a colleague and friend who I had worked on who did the same thing as me, right? He built sets on the side and worked on my crews a lot while also pursuing acting and and playwriting. Um, uh, Sean McGrath, uh, he's a wonderful talent. Um, And uh, 
he gave me these wonderful notes for this play back in 2017 after I made it all the way to Eugene O'Neill Theater Conference, uh, Playwright Theater Conference, final selection round before I was eliminated. Because um, I was eliminated. I got the elimination email like a week before they announced the people who were selected. Um, and before that, I had been receiving, I, that's why I can't remember if it was two or three, they sent off volleys of emails where it was like, if you haven't heard from us yet, it means you're still in consideration. Thank you so much for your patience. This is phase one. You've moved on. Congratulations. And I, I received one of those in July, I think, and another one in August. And then September was the elimination. Um, so I sat on it because admittedly, like I had a lot of other crap going on. I was going mm -hmm. through a divorce, which is part of the reason that I, I wrote this, which is where the emotional through line comes from. Um, and I actually didn't find the current ending until uh, I was working with my therapist. And um, I do EMDR now uh, and have for, uh, I want to say, a year and a half at this point, maybe just a year. Um, and, you know, one of the things that that deals with is soothing the inner child. Hmm. And so that's what that, that final scene, um, without giving anything away, just the final scene where party B intervenes for party A, who is your main character, it's that same representation of party A from prior, right? That's probably so why it it's, wasn't so much. Yeah, so that's supposed yeah. to be the, that representation is that party B is a metaphor for the the older, the future projection of party A. It's it's a soothing the inner child moment where she is literally, yeah, um, yeah. it's a metaphor. Huh. Um, yeah, it's very dreamlike. Uh, and I enjoy that one because it's it's also a reflection of um, my love of I really really love classic literature. I just I just love it. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge Shakespeare fan. Again, the theater background. Mm -hmm. uh, I love I love Dante's Inferno and I love um, Alice in Wonderland. Anything that branches into the surreal and the fantasy and science fiction, right? Oh, yeah. uh, Mary Shelley's my Frankenstein. Absolute favorites. Mm hmm. Um, and so Last Train Home is also an expression of that. It's, it is supposed to be like Alice in Wonderland meets Dante's Inferno. There are nine scenes which in some way, shape, or form represent the nine circles of the Inferno in Dante. Yeah, yeah I kind of um, really got that vibe when I was reading it. I'm like, oh, I like, you know, obviously I don't want to spoil anything, but, you know, you have your beginning introductory where you're like, oh okay i see where this is going and as it <laughs> continues you're just like okay i i almost know where it's going to end but i can't wait to find out how it's going to end because i know there's going to be this shock where you're just like uh mm, got it that's where it's at okay all right i see what you did there <laughs> but it's an emotional roller coaster too I mean, oh thank you or at least as somebody who you know i've, I've been through it you know i i feel like it's one of those very relatable works where you know, as you're going through, you're feeling all these different emotions. And as you said, healing your inner child, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's something that my therapist also has recommended over the years, you know, trauma therapy, things like that. So, I mean, you wrote so much with impact and in so little of what you're, you know, like, I don't know, I need to see it, basically. I need to see it in real life on stage. I'm a big musical fan. So Rent, mm -hmm. I 
I could recite rent to you like it's absolutely nothing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, you had mentioned that when we were corresponding. Yes. I was I was I was very excited. Yeah, I was like, excellent, yeah. excellent. <laughs> it's kind of one of those secret things no one really knows because I have such a hard hard exterior. I am such a sucker for musicals and classical theater things like that. Phantom of the Opera, absolutely mm-hmm. love it. So as I'm reading this, I'm like, I actually wrote a song, funny enough, 2017, 2018, where uh, you know, it's about a conductor. Um, I'm actually the conductor sort of things. Like there's different pieces inside of your brain. I'll have to send it to you and, Mm -hmm. you know, see what you think. But it's just, it's absolutely amazing. It takes you on a nice little ride. So, yeah. And I, I, I really, uh, thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm terrible with uh, compliments, but I really do appreciate that. And please do share (laughs) the, the piece with me. Um, uh, I the Alice in Wonderland element then is like the crazy ensemble of characters and also like you're meant to almost I want the audience to feel like they're chasing the main character yeah through her story but I also have her kind of chasing her emotional past which is why it's so important that her emotional future is what metaphorically shows up at the end to soothe her yeah. because it's she is the inner child is the whole point is like every version of us so long as we you know perpetuate forward into the future god forbid something happened to somebody is then become you are becoming literally right now i am in the process of becoming my past self's inner child yes or my my future self's inner child i should say as the past self um and it, kind of trying to explore that concept and then again the universe kind of the universe likes to give me these things or maybe i i just overthink things enough that i see the patterns but like this started this was a really fun project because it's also sort of a time capsule of my uh experiences in public transit in new york city (laughs) over the course of several years i started taking notes in 2013 and i would transcribe bits there are bits of dialogue in that play that are verbatim transcribed as somebody is spouting them off and i'm like only catching parts of it and then i would go back and make it fit in and there are full omar the veteran and the subway wizard are actual human beings who i encountered Wait, really and those characters are, <laughs> yes absolutely. i have a picture of the subway wizard the look on jess's face right now <laughs> yes God send that to me. i will send that to you as soon as we disconnect um the subway wizard was on the subway platform it's an above ground platform for the four five six the green line up in the bronx by yankee stadium and it's where i had to make my connection because i used to work at a I production managed for a couple of theaters over there that are located on hostos community college they've got a couple of beautiful venues over there mm-hmm. um and i was waiting for my connection for the southbound train and he got up on the platform next to me and i watched him as politely as I could without staring, he was wearing a, a, his, I assume like his mother or grandmother's like gray cotton muumu and a gray beard attached to a wizard hat and big like Coke bottle thick glasses. <laughs> He's got a dragon puppet. And I, obviously this poor person was neurodivergent in some way. And like scary that they were unattended as well, probably. But they were fine and harmless as well and very dear and very inspiring. And I felt so whimsical. I was like, this is the best morning ever. I don't know how it could – this is a good omen. Nothing bad is going to happen today. 
And he stood there when he had his staff in one hand and he had his dragon puppet going in the other. And the dragon puppet is talking to him like Sean Connery. And he's talking back like this and thinking of it. And Sean Connery is talking. I was like, this is... You can't. You you cannot write this shit. So it is our job when we get to encounter it that we somehow give thanks and offering to the universe as storytellers. And this is that... This play is that real first expression, I think... Because the origin of it is 2017, 2018, it's the first real good example I can point to in my own work, uh, in my own writing, of write what you know, truly. Boom. Um, and, and Space Cadets is that because all of those characters in some way, shape, or form are much more serious versions of the – like, it's, it's in the same way that certain Shakespeare tragedies are um, actually – dramatic takes on tropes in Commedia dell'arte which mm-hmm. are supposed to be like humorous funny fun theater going experiences right. but shakespeare is taking that concept and turning it on its head and saying what if these people were taking this like what if this was being taken seriously and there was a dramatic turn instead of this being like everything's fine in the end <laughs> um yeah. othello is one of those examples um and it's it, it, it I derailed myself with my example. What, what, you know what? what, Oth- what Othello, Othello is the only one I, I I don't remember reading. I took a course on it. I love Shakespeare too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Rock yeah. yeah. Othello, Rock I missed fun. though. Train of thought. Um, oh, I think it was something to do with the characters in Space Cadets. And I'm sorry, listeners. I'm terrible. That's fine. No, man. I, I wanted to say first of all, now that I know that you're bad at, at compliments, I want to say you're amazing. <laughs> now that I know, yeah. I'll hang up. Yeah. Very short like what kidding. you okay. with Space Cadets, um, which I just finished reading. <laughs> uh, you explain like the atmosphere through like brief, um, like like annals of of like uh, history and lore through character their characters' own perceptions and experience. Um, like, well, uh, for instance, like with Captain Alaborap. Did I say that right? Alaborap. Alaborap. Uh, of the yeah. stingrays. Oh, I remembered the first point that I never finished. <laughs> That's funny. Sorry, go on. That's all right. Well, right after I'm done with this, when you uh, yeah. you give us like a brief backstory on his parents and upbringing with it, and his discovery of his grandfather's involvement with the, the mysterious mythical weapon, it's like this innocent. It's as common as you and I, you and I going into our attics to find old toys, and the captain Alborap finds his ancestor's book up there, and you, you you fall in love with this guy. Like like this could be us this does does not seem like a possible villain you know and i i don't know that i can call him just that but yeah there are things that happen but anyway you go ahead because you remembered your point you're amazing (laughs) yeah so my point at the very beginning when we started talking about the weirdness of the character names was these names come from that improvisational project and a lot of them were very dear to me captain elaborap argyle socks um jablon (laughs) hank I know that that's not really an improvisation of a name, but the no, fact that we have an alien it's who's great. just named Hank. He is the most uh, mega deformed of the characters, uh, like uh, inhuman, uh, most By inhuman your definition. form. And he has the most human name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm because sorry, Jess. Why, do you remember why, David? Uh, no. I should. Because I? because if he were to tell you his actual yes, name, you you'd couldn't. simply not be able to pronounce it. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Jess, you yeah, were saying something. Um, I think one of us cut you off. Oh, no, you're no. good. I'm just, I'm just enjoying this. <laughs> okay, I know, right? <laughs> Go on, sir. Um, 
No, so so because those names were so important to me to keep Gligorg, these are all moments of of inspired Elaborap is parabola backwards. Yeah, I know. Can, I, I, it, I, that's why it has that same. Te- yeah, Brent, I have all this it, written down. <laughs> do you? Oh, really? Did yeah. you see all? Okay, yeah. you picked up on it. Let's talk about okay. the werewolf uh, mutant creature, not a dog, as in not a dog. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, don't call him that. Don't call him that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. I that. keep interrupting because uh, and... this stuff is written in front of me. I'm like Nodder Dog. I had to write that one out. <laughs> and and Alibor, Al- Al- Parabola backwards. And then you got Polygon too, because uh, his grandfather. Uh, yes. How do you say Nagalop? Nagalop. Okay. Nagalop. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, and that was a trope that my friend John Boyer, who originated the role of Captain Elaborap for the spoof series, uh, came up with. He he was the one who was like because he and I were always riffing. He was a huge Star Wars fan, and we bonded at one of our friends' grad parties. By everybody played Star Wars Trivia Pursuit with us. We ended up in a gridlock. Like there was no winner. I don't remember if somebody won or if we just had to agree to tie. And then we took the stack of cards we hadn't done yet, and we sat in the front on my friend's porch while the rest of the party was in the backyard taking turns reading each other the trivia like we we just spoke the same language in that way and he was like well in order to get crazy names let's just you know i was taking words and flipping them backwards and he was like nothing's crazier than geometry and he started <laughs> playing around with different geometric terms and that's how he came up with the labarap and because of that convention i then applied that to polygon for his grandfather and his his uh, now labarap's son in the spoof series who may manifest themselves somehow eventually in a side story from the trilogy here uh, of Space Cadets that we're talking about, which is the book, the, the primary book series, um, is Megalelarap, which is a slight alteration of, or altercation, yeah, alteration of uh, parallelogram backwards. Oh, man, you went right? there. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we went there. So, uh, um <laughs> So it was really important to me. I knew that I had to make each character distinct so that the ridiculous name was mm-hmm. was as distinct, right? Especially when you're – it's very tricky to try to get somebody on board with Captain Elaborap mm. and his perceived rival Argyle Socks, who's Amazing. also a privateer. You know, like it's – there are a lot of similar – it's like you have to – if you're going to do it, you have to do it good. Yes. You have to do it right. Yeah, you know? I, I, I was I, challenged. I, I, yeah. I totally see the whimsy of like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy type stuff here, which was a huge influence on me, uh, the humor side of it. Same. Yeah. Same. I thought so when you, yeah, when you mentioned I, John Cleese. I kind of, yeah. They kind of chime in together. Um, but we're going to take a quick break here, Brent, because you still have okay. to explain Space Cadets, um, what it's about. But I just want to say um, <laughs> you're uh, – you're like this anxiously charismatic figure, and uh, I I stole that from Jess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel it. <laughs> feel it. Yeah, and we felt that in person. But we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna get right back. And he is gonna, we're gonna put him on the spot. He has to explain space cadets. Do it real brief, like, because then Jess has some questions for you. And mostly, excellent. Thanks for listening to Kettle Whistle Radio, folks. I'm not afraid of the dark, but you should be. There are things that dwell here in the dark. Things best left unseen. With the initial smoke clear from the fall of tomorrow, the blood now flows even thicker with dwelling in the dark. 
11 stories. All bits of the same mysterious puzzle. Fitting together with horrific parallels to its predecessor. Get ready for new, truly terrifying tales set in the broken world from the fall of tomorrow. Take a closer look at what's now dwelling in the dark. If you dare. Available on Amazon in traditional print and ebook. Get your copy today. Visit www.fairlydarkproductions.com for more info on the author and his work. Hi, this is Annie Hardy, and you're listening to Kettle Whistle Radio. David, I'm afraid you'll find that your Zoom controls have been locked. I'm going to keep you here all evening. Ladies and gentlemen, the programming might be longer than expected. <laughs> Jess, how much time do you have? <laughs> that was good, man. And then we actually see <laughs> your, where you're coming from. Um, I still need you to tell us the plot of Space Cadets. Yes. Um, so without giving anything away, the way that I like to pitch Space Cadets, because it is, uh, it's a sci-fi fantasy epic. It's, it's fantastical. It's quirky. Um, I try to ground it in reality and keep things surprising. I think uh, when it was in its radio drama form and I was well into developing these characters as you read them, David, mm-hmm. um, one of the greatest compliments I received uh, when we premiered the first season was um, yeah, the she was a performer uh, and a writer herself. Um, I feel bad I cannot remember her name, um, but uh, she was a colleague of mine at the time. Um, but not somebody I was very familiar with, right? And she came up to me after we premiered the first four episodes live in New York with just, like, a bit of uh, light design in uh, one of the studios that I worked in at the time. Um, I controlled, like, some LEDs while we had the scenes playing, and we had some of the visuals at the time that we could present to people. Um, And we threw, like, a a party with some drinks and things uh, to kind of premiere everything. She came up to me afterwards and she said, I loved it. It was like, she said, it felt like, um, how did she say it? She said, it felt like I finally had like a science fiction uh, equivalent to Game of Thrones. I can't wait for you guys to do more. And it was because we follow so many characters. Um, so the way that I like to pitch it is that it's Indiana Jones meets Treasure Island. Because again, there's that classic influence mm-hmm. in space. Yeah. Um, that, did you and, say? Did you I've say, also had friends lovingly say that it, it feels somewhat like National Treasure, but if wait, it was like an alien relic, I gotta stop you. Did involved. you say Treasure Island? Yeah. That that was in my head the entire time. One of the first books <laughs> I, I ever read, and I was gonna say that, and I didn't want to. Ins- Sometimes you have to be you have to worry if you're gonna insult the writer. No. Holy shit! That's exactly what I felt like I was reading. Um, again, as a, like when I was I read it as a child, and it Thank came you. back, and I was like. Damn, I wonder if he... Yeah, there it is. Well, and that's funny because that kind of ties into a character you already brought up because Not a Darg, the mutant wolfman, mm-hmm. uh, was originated by my friend Chris Shendigay, who is also our, the most brilliant behind-the-scenes person of this entire project from the original video stuff when we were in high school to the radio drama. He did all of the sound design. That's all available for free on Spotify. If you search space cadets radio, mm-hmm. or if you go to spacecadetsradio.com, there are links to uh, both seasons one and two, as well as a little one-off called black pool. Um, 
and we produced all of those together. Sledge did all of the brilliant sound design. He also originated the character of Nadadarg, who, in the spoofs, was just a side silly pirate character. We needed an extra stand-in, so he put on a costume and jumped in. And he, he gave you the real old-school Long John Silver, yeah. right? From the original Disney production. Um which, of course, is like the worst pirate stereotype accent and everything because it just like perpetuated a whole generation of misconceptions about pirates. Mm. And that's mm. okay. We don't need to get into that. Um, I also love history. I think we've talked about that. David. Another time. Um, we definitely should delve yeah, into that. Yeah, another time. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, so there are elements of the treasure hunt and there are – you have your faction of what I like to say classic heroes, your space cadets. Mm-hmm. You have your faction of anti-heroes, the mm-hmm. space pirates, and then you have your um, arch-villain of all of them, who is uh, Beniti Juan Valerna. Yes. And that doesn't give anything away, but gives you an idea of the strange character dynamics at play. Absolutely. Um, I, I I loved every ounce of it. Um, of course, I, I told you the reptilian, you know, I always go for the, you know, the, well, Glygor. Glycorg. Is it Glycorg? Is that how you say it? He gives me glee. He's my favorite character. Okay. Yeah, I loved him. Yeah. Just an intelligent and agile little turtle creature with infinite wisdom and history. Um, I, I dug that character. I, some of my favorite scenes are when he's dangling from like trees and uh, inside the cockpit. And I, you yeah. could see that. Uh, there's so much of it. Like I, I, I hone back to this. Is not the best movie, but I really like the idea of the movie. Was Ice Pirates? Do you remember that movie? In yes, yes, yeah. of course I know. I love. Yeah. Yes. Just the dirty yes. ships and everything. You know, pretty much punk rock space uh, yeah. adventure. You know, uh, well, that's one for you, Jess, to go back and harken back to. And Jess, you know what you'll like about Space Cadets? If you want to, you know, get a, a reprieve from horror, which I had to do because I was delving too deep. Um, his depiction like is expressed through colors, like colors present like the most amazing backdrop for the characters he has. Um, you, you, the, yeah, I mean, his pages literally pop with colors, um, for each planet you visit. And... Okay. That's awesome. See, as like a nerd, <laughs> fellow neurodivergent, um, I absolutely love whenever you can actually visualize things and you can just. I, yeah, sorry. I just, I absolutely love stuff like that. So I can't wait to read. Yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you, you know, I know she, she's got some questions for you. So uh, if you want to, yeah. do, do you have more to say on Space Cadets? Because I mean, like, that we could talk about forever. I mean, we'll have to do it uh, again sometime. Only that the reptilian, uh, the reptilian love that we keep uh, expressing that we mutually share yeah. for me comes from a place of my love of dinosaurs which yes. I was three years old. I visited the Carnegie Museum uh, with a group of friends that was organized by our mothers. Thank you, Mom. I appreciate you for <laughs> organizing that uh, and give, and giving me that. They did an animatronic dinosaur exhibit, and I fell in love. Um, and then two years later, Jurassic Park came out, and I was that was it, man. You were um, lucky in that respect, were, man. You got Jurassic yeah, Park as a child. I, that's a movie I, I waited for. I still have for. all of my stuff. That's I have amazing. everything. I'm a huge collector of that stuff. Oh, I okay. was fortunate enough. This is wild, but I was fortunate enough right after I graduated college um, through a friend at the time, I was able to meet the executive producer, Jerry Mullen, who also makes a cameo as Dr. Harding, the vet who's with oh, the Triceratops. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 
I have uh, the park worker hats, the the khaki hat with the red bill that the guys are with the pink polos are wearing when they're letting people in Uh at the arrival to the island. I have one of those from wardrobe that Jerry gave me that's in a shadow box in my office. You're not the guy driving around in the camouflage Jurassic Park Jeep that I see all the time in my neighborhood. Somebody owns one of those. (laughs) No, I don't have a Jurassic Park Jeep yet, but I will someday. You will. I know a guy that has one literally three blocks away from us. Uh, amazing. Yeah, there are a lot of them now. I, I do dig it. I dig how many there are. I like that I'm not the only one who's – I've wanted one of those since I was a kid. Uh, I can't have a land speeder, but I, I could do this. You know, It's funny. <laughs> uh, I was going to not – Who I, says? I have lately not talked about Star Wars because I've actually – well, they upset me, we'll say. So I've strayed Uh-oh. from that, but it still comes up on the show no matter what because I am one of the biggest and oldest fans of the original series. And I wasn't going to – yours is nothing like that, but I can see where the influence comes from. You went a totally different direction. So I don't compare it to Star mm-hmm. Wars, but I, I mean the way I look at it, you are more what influenced Lucas with Buster Crab and going back to the old um, you know, Flash Gordon series with the scroll and yes, everything. Yes, and yeah. I, I, again, am a sucker for the 70s and 80s. I could literally immediately without – Without need of resources or or practice, I could right now teach a practical effects in the latter half of the 20th century in science fiction and fantasy genre film class, film history class. Like just without needing to develop the career. I mean, I'm I would have to present curriculum, but like if you needed me to start next week, I would be able to do it. And I that's because you. of like the the original remake of Flash Gordon uh, from 1980, the one that Queen did the. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, the one that Queen didn't read the screenplay to when they did the the theme song. <laughs> yeah, that. It's a gem. I love it. It's just, so just, good. Just a little bit uh, younger. Uh, did you see the original? Uh, well, have you seen Flash Gordon in the 80s, the 80s one, Jess? Your dad probably did. Um, I haven't seen it, but I do know a lot of about it i yeah it's one of those things i haven't had the pleasure of watching Get, oh yet. no no no! you need to i think you need to it's something you should do you and your dad should sit and watch that hey i mean i've already started from all the classics so yeah. i might as well just keep going from there go with that because you're gonna tongue-in-cheek you will have a good time watching that am i wrong brent no not at all i'm actually like what what other deep what other deep dive like oh, influences? Uh, uh, so you talked about color. You know what? One of my favorite, um, like, '80s nuclear '50s type poppy movies is is Earth Girls Are Easy with Jeff Goldblum, Damon Wayans, Jim Carrey, and Gina Davis. Yeah, yeah. And talk about you want to talk about musicals, Jess? Like movie musicals. I, lo- I adore that film. I adore the colors in that film. Yeah. I love that film. And I feel oh. disappointed in myself. Oh, you Earth Girls Are one? Easy. Um, the the nineteen eighty four or eighty five Masters of the Universe live action with Dolph Ludgren oh, boy. as um, He Man. Um, uh, I, I was too old for that one. I, I, at were that you? Point, yeah, I progressed to anime at that point because I didn't like. Uh, okay. I didn't like fair. the Hanna Barbera. I, I I didn't like the. Um, I don't think that was Hanna Barbera. Maybe it was. I didn't like the He Man cartoon. I couldn't do it. I used to babysit. Oh, kids that's fair. I didn't really and... get into that one. I was more of an Ninja Turtles kid. I got right. To yeah, that yeah. Too. Eastman and Laird. I've got all the issues standing right behind me. So. Yeah. Oh, that's right. We yeah. did talk about this. Yeah. yeah. Again, the reptiles. That. Yeah. And that love that I jumped on the Ninja Turtles wave when it started. Uh, I was like not even two years old, um, and I was like doing you know trying to do back kicks off the bed in my bandanas. My dad would get me like the sweatbands. He would 
whichever turtle was my favorite at the oh, time. He would nice. get me those colored sweatbands for my wrists, Donatello. my ankles, you know, my knees, my elbows, and then he'd get me a, a he'd be like, "Don't pull it over your eyes," but he'd <laughs> get me a sweatband for my head too. I'm we'd sure. make um, we'd use cardboard uh, gift wrap tubes to make Donatello's bow staff yeah. and to make uh, Donnie's or uh, Mikey's nunchucks with rubber bands to nice. connect to the handles. Yeah, I got the originals, uh, the black and white ones, the nice violent ones that they came out with. Nice, some of the first, yes. first indie comics to really break, you know, like really make it. Uh, I be- actually, I am staring at, they're on the other bookshelf on the other side. I mean, it doesn't matter because this is just podcast, but <laughs> I'm staring at the colorized uh, graphic novel versions that IDW did a few years ago that I picked up when I was still in New York. I used to, uh, on my lunch breaks, uh, when I worked downtown my last few years there, I worked uh, in the financial district, actually, um, not in finance, but in at a at an entertainment company that was down in the FIDI. Um and there was a Phantom Comics just maybe like four blocks away. So oh, I'd yeah. go to lunch and I'd like pick up a sandwich. I'd like pre-order the sandwich, so I had extra time. I'd grab the sandwich oh, and I'd go to the comic yes. shop and pick something up. Well played, yeah, dude. Well played. Right? Like, I mean, we're better to get the ninja the the original Ninja Turtle comic graphic, you know, a version of them than like. Just a few blocks from Chinatown. Well, listen, uh, <laughs> folks, friends, and peas, we're going to take a quick break here. we got to play a song from, what was the name of the band, Jess? You said it right. Inviolate, is it? Inviolate, yeah. Inviolate. Uh, Brent, you like you some metal? I can metal, yeah. You, you can metal. But you're I'm not, a hair metal guy. I'm a big hair metal guy. Well, that actually, you were, that makes you one of the oldest of metal fans. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> definitely. For your age. I mean, yeah, that's definitely before your time. Uh, right. Some of my fondest memories are listening to Quiet Riot with my dad on the way to baseball practice. Oh. On cassette. <laughs> on cassette. What were you saying, Jess? I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Inviolate, folks. We're going to listen to Inviolate, and we're going to get back after I break stuff in the room. Um, yeah, I'm breaking things right now as we speak. I do this every show. I drop something on the floor or knock something over. It just has to happen. Or I hit you with the but, mic stand. And yes, and you did. You totally clocked me with the mic stand the last time you were here. That Yeah, I think that's how you got the job. Yeah. Uh, in, but yes, Inviolate, Dance with Shadows. And uh, we'll get back with Brent Winzek, author, uh, charismatic incredible guy that hates to be complimented (laughs) he's cringing
back with brent winzek that hopefully will be our last break because we you got stuff to talk about man and, uh, and what's that about <laughs> shooting water out your nose what oh you made me laugh that's why it looked like i cringed because uh, you you were going to compliment me again but it was me <laughs> laughing at you making the gag <laughs> bringing it doing the callback again i like uh, but i was taking a drink of water and i almost <laughs> <laughs> all right um all right jess what do you got i know i see you're 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 stewing away there with questions okay so i as a vendor right a a big thing is when you're walking around you want to look at all the tables and stuff you know there's a lot of uh different artists writers things like that but you you guys i just beeline to your table right i was able to look at everything all the colorful artwork things Mm -hmm. like that so let's say not me but somebody else right come up Mm -hmm. to your table what are you going to recommend to them you're going to be like this is my best this is what i want you to read yeah that's interesting nice yeah because we both me and you jess we both took away something else from meeting these guys yeah that's it yeah Yeah. and i i'm pretty sure i've bought everything at this point i'm probably missing (laughs) something but i want to know what would you recommend and what also are you working on you know what what's next what's coming up yeah um so I will because I, I know I'm not succinct. So, but I'm gonna try to I'll I'll I'll, I'll keep it brief because I know that I've 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 kept this here so long and I could probably answer that for another day. Um, That's all right. You're I you're an incredible say, guest, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, uh, you guys are incredible hosts. So, um, thank you. I see. I can I can give compliments too, mother. Fucker. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how good we are at getting those compliments we were, ourselves. We, like, were, maybe... we were instant kindred spirits, yeah. you piece of shit. Yeah, that, thank you. I, I, I related to that one. Do you have to beat me? Do you have to beat me or is this mature audience? Are we good? <laughs> I will not cuss. No, 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 um, you can all you want. They do it at me all the time, so, yeah. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. I'll do it with a British accent because then it at least makes you feel small. It sounds polite. Fucking yeah. twat. <laughs> I only use that if I'm doing a British accent. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't like that word. Um, it's only for humor. Uh, gosh, that didn't answer your question at all, Jess. I would say <laughs> I like to ask, and and um, <clears throat> Chase <laughs> Chase is good at this too. Chase has done the vendor scene much more than I, um, and um, is really the reason that I was able to get into it more this year because he was like constantly in contact with me, like, "Hey, there's another one going on," like, you know. Um, uh, and we have such a blast just being able to do those together. Um, so I like to, because I have so many, 
I kind of like I, I try to always keep it whimsical, right? I want it to feel like some form of fantasy or science fiction. I like I don't mind mixing in thriller and horror. Mm. Um, and I also am not the only writer under my uh, under my brand, Space Cadet Studios. Uh, I it's a multimedia company um, that is, you know, the the umbrella creative entity where all of my Space Cadets project lives, the original videos that are being restored, the Space Cadets radio drama, um, and the the novels. Um, so we've got all of that world building and science fiction. I work with several clients who have their own world building projects. Um, my client, Barbara, who is a wonderful uh, young adult, uh, ch like children's writer, she aims for the uh, about like the nine to 12 age range and, and her first title that we've been working on together and developing for several years came out under Space Cadet Studios in July of this past year of 2023 and that's the Magic Portal Diaries hmm. um, which is for a younger audience um, and that's about a girl named Izzy who uh, deals with a school bully while also kind of taking a little existential Alice in Wonderland type trip through the universe through portals to other dimensions and different times on earth and it's it was so much fun to work with her on that um and i, I would buy that I, tomorrow for my niece it sounds amazing rock on yeah. yeah i'll um so there are there are links to all of our projects if any of these titles sound appealing on spacecadetstudios.com uh, my website mm. um there are links to just the amazon there um but david you're also local too man so like if you if there were any that you wanted from me um i could I could probably drop them off. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming by actually in about an hour and a half. So, oh, real? Are you serious? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I was gonna say, don't be out on these roads. Are you kidding? Uh, yeah, right now we're, yeah, we're, we're getting a storm out here, guys. Yeah, Jess, listeners, you, were yeah. Jess is probably getting it worse than we are right now. You getting hail? Yeah, that's out there? true. Yeah, it was not fun. I walked outside, got smacked in the face with a bunch of hail, and I was like, I hate everything. I hate this. I put a blanket over my baby's car seat, and I said, No, <laughs> we're driving. We're going home. We're not leaving ever again. So. And that, that was just at Walmart. That was, yeah, that was just a go to the store. I um, pick him up 10 minutes down the road. I gave up. I was like, oh. <laughs> um, but so we have, we have that. I have Last Train Home, which is my play um, that we were talking about earlier. Um, we also represent the author, Gerald DeVere, who works more in like the thriller realm. Um, and his... Well, Creatures actually won two awards last year, which was very, very cool. Um, actually, he and another one of our clients, Michael Ellison, who is uh, my dear mentor and friend and former professor from college, um, Michael's book, Being Magic, tied with Gerald's book, Creatures, uh, in the Living Now Book Awards uh, for general fiction this, this past August, uh, which was very cool because I got the email but so did he. And I, I had applied for both awards, right? And and I kind of am usually the entity. I I will find these things for my authors and, and correspond for them so that it's just all one avenue of communication. Um, and so there was much confusion. I had to email for clarification. Like, I'm sorry, I applied with two different authors and their titles which one won because it doesn't say in your email and they were like oh they both did i was like oh no shit okay 
was like, all right. Um, so it was a yeah. So it was a really cool year, and um, that happened just a uh, just a month and some change right before Gerald released his second book, Ghostlight, under our our brand. Um, so we've got we've got something for everyone and that is going to very shortly include over president's day weekend um in q1 space cadet studios is releasing a title i'll hold the cover up for you guys just my my friends here um but for the listeners uh this is for ages 8 to 12 Hmm. um with wonderful illustrations by ori rush and written by andrew freer who is uh really cool guy one of my clients it's called ham slice jr and the political pickle oh my god it's about a slice of ham who runs for mayor of the fridge oh that is fantastic what a great idea and did you see your (laughs) audience your audience just got younger do you see that as you held up that yeah yeah jess has got her baby yeah dj's in the house i wanted to say hi there he is (laughs) so that book is magical (laughs) like pre Right. So, and it's so much fun. It's been so much fun working on that. That comes out President's Day weekend in February. And then, like I teased earlier, Alas, Poor Uranus comes out on May the 4th uh, in quarter two. And that's uh, the collection of works that I did uh, with my buddy Zach. And then in Q3, we are right now planning to release. Uh, Gerald DeVere's next work, which is a collection of mm-hmm. poetry and short stories, um, all in that sort of thriller and gothic realm. I'm, f- uh, I'm familiar with his book, Ghostlight. Oh, excellent. Are yeah, you? Yeah, excellent. Yeah. That's one of your guys, right? Gerald DeVere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's one of my clients as well. We've worked yeah. together since uh, – we started working together in 2020. Same with Barbara. Um, so three years now. I almost, um, bought, I almost bought Ghostlight, but Space Cadets screamed at me, so – it's yeah, which Ghostlight. which wait, made my yeah. day. Wait, Jess, you. I was going to say, yeah, Jess, you have Je- you have uh, Ghostlight and Creatures. Yes, I actually need to read those. I was going to try to read them as soon as I could, but did not happen, unfortunately. <laughs> Maybe duty called, but I can't. I absolutely can't wait to read those as well. Well, I'm glad DJ can awesome. be part of the uh, podcast. Well, that's our first infant, I believe. Oh yeah. Cry and I'm like, oh, give me baby. <laughs> right? Yeah. You got to make sure that Jess signs that release, though, David. You know, you know. can't just have that that underage person represented. No, I know, and we're dropping F vocally. Just, and, yeah. That right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say I, I'm sure we're good. I'm just teasing. Yeah, I'm sure we are. <laughs> um, but uh, and then in Q4, David. Yes. In Q4 of this year, Jeez. the plan is that Space Cadets and the Pirates of the Outer Rim. The second book in the trilogy oh, is due out. Fantastic. At some point. We haven't set a release date. We're just aiming for Q4. I was hoping. Um, I picked it up. I, I didn't care whether there was going to be a trilogy sequel or the typical tropes of sci-fi. I didn't care. I, I read it and enjoyed it for what it was. And then after I closed that last page, I was like, damn, I kind of want more. So there it is. <laughs> Good. Well, you'll get there's, – there's a trilogy planned, and then I also – I again, I'm a very organic storyteller, so I I have a trilogy planned, which gives you a nice traditional story arc. But I also have a fourth story that acts as a bookend to make a cyclical plot, um, so that it would act as a four-story volume, wherein you could start with book one where you started, 
or you could start with this book, which is book four, because book four sets you up to go back and start book one. Um, so you could literally start at the beginning, work your way to the end. And then by the time you get to the end, want to go back to the beginning to, because it sets you up to relive that story. And that is a more feminine plot structure, of course, represented after I've completed the trilogy. And that involves Gligorg, uh, because I love him. He's my favorite character. Oh, interesting. Okay. Extra special attention. (laughs) What's that? These names keep reminding me of Pokemon, like, (laughs) Porygon. um, Porygon, yes! I'm like, oh, I know these. Yeah. I I know these names, but it's just that (laughs) slight like resemblance and i'm such mm-hmm. a pokemon nerd so i'm sitting here just like they need yes like if you start doing slow poke or jigglypuff here we go i'm ready <laughs> yes and i'm big on i love i get one of my other like nerdy focuses is i love etymology and i i finally after truly i don't know where it comes from other than that from a very young age because i was a python fan and because i was reading about them and their upbringing I was very aware that we used to teach Latin in school, and I always mm. thought it would be cool to learn Latin. I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, with you. I learned it in eighth grade, I think. Rock on, rock yeah. on. I have I did German and Spanish throughout my time in high school and college, and I always suffered. I was never good at it. German uh, is my thing. The the Latin has unlocked. Uh, different understandings of the German. I'm recognizing words in Spanish and French and Italian, and it's it's wonderful. I've never it's I've never had so much fun and lack of frustration encountering other languages on the page as a result of that. Yeah, um, I just so learned, I'm big on like the structuring of things. I just uh, learned that you know? about Jess that uh, so I should have you read um, in, in character Mein Kampf, um, yes. it, yeah, <laughs> as it was meant to be read. <laughs> Yeah, listen, I, I'm a very, uh, very big fan of the language of German. Oh I, I actually I just started that. relearning German because I learned it, you know, in seventh, eighth grade. And mm-hmm. I'll sit there and be like, oh, meine son trinks milk. <laughs> and like, there's a song that I wrote called The White Witch and the Wolf. It's actually dedicated to my, uh, my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. But an entire verse in it is in German. So, nice. Yeah, wow. and I actually bought the Latin version of Dante's Inferno. So that's yeah. You know, can I understand it? Absolutely not. Mm. But <laughs> am I? But you have it to I look can, at, yeah. and you can. Mm-hmm. It's it's so important to just engage. If if you are telling stories on the page, whether that's lyrics in a song, because that is poetry, right? Or whether that's a short story or or a script, doesn't matter. That is, it is so important to engage with physical text, no matter what else you do to imbibe stories, right? I know that like audiobooks are a huge thing right now, but mm-hmm. I always encourage if I'm working with writers, always, always engage in text. It doesn't have to be English and it doesn't have to be your native language. Engage in, I love that you have that in lab. That's so cool. Right. I mean, do you have any books in German? Unfortunately, no, I do not. Ah. But my boyfriend also loves uh, German things like that, so um, we're hoping that we can get some cool, some cool things or different memorabilia and things like that. Yeah, I will have to send you. I don't have any books in German, but I do have. I mentioned I'm a Jurassic Park collector. I have several of the uh, Kenner collector cards that came with the action figures oh, wow. that are in German, not in English, because wow. I was able to. I don't know where I picked them up online at some point. Pretty cool. In my 
in my shenanigans in my in my journey as a collector and your books like um, i want to say this to the kids out there this is the sound of an actual book kids this is a book yeah that's the book space cadets your books come in audio as well as traditional correct uh n- no or... the the radio drama is like oh, a, okay, a precursor a to the it's a different version of the same stories that are being written in novel version well, if you want film. someone to read your book for you to record i gotcha Ooh. okay noted <laughs> hey very cool my i need to i need to get on that that's like a whole other level that i have i know i eventually would like to start producing some of our works in audiobook i just can't well, i w- can't quite facilitate it the way i'd like to yet that right. kind of leads me to building my, those resources, this, Jess. So I'll keep that in mind. My next I commission people. question here for you, um, as far as Yeet. mediums, like, do you see uh, Space Cadets as a? Because we talked Robotech, and that was like the real start for me with animated characters having real emotions and facing yeah. death, actually, um, and violence. But um, like, do you see it as a live action film car- or cartoon, or do you see it as anime? What would you? What medium would you like to see this book depicted as? You know, I, I've been asked that a lot because, right. you know, obviously, so the radio drama at one point, we actually had it in front of um, some talent scouts. And there were, at, at one point, I was, I like to say I had a whole bunch of smoke blown up my ass all at once. Um, when we were premiering season two, I, at one point, was in talks with a few connections in the entertainment industry to potentially have representation at our premiere for consideration for an animated like adult geared towards adults, but like animated series Hmm. of the Hmm. adaptation of this. Um, and we were talking about like the, the, the buzzwords that were being thrown at me were representatives from HBO, Cartoon Network, Netflix. Um, it was all a bunch of hooey in the end because it fizzled out, which was its own journey. But, um, I, have always held on to that because I do adore the illustrations that my uh, wife, uh, Monica started when we were, we had just started dating and she kind of picked up on the fact that I was working on this project with all of my friends who she was just meeting. And um, she has a background in graphic design and illustration and uh, was a fashion designer in her former career. Um, And uh, comes from, parents who are artists so has literally there are stories about her like trying to build her artist's portfolio in kindergarten like bringing something home and asking her dad if it was portfolio worthy you know and he's like well no but we'll get there you know like you're close (laughs) if you're already thinking like that then hot damn um so she really brought another element to it that really it showed me how it could be a more mature animated thing of some kind and and even if that were something that was digitally animated not necessarily in 3d right i really love 2d i again i grew up with those 80s influences i would want that you know ninja turtles side scroller we're animating multiple translucent cells in order to get this effect like Mm -hmm. give give me that 2d animation any day please (laughs) but but like i wouldn't if it was something that was being in the same way that South Park started as their cardboard or their right. construction paper cutouts yeah. and quickly realized that they should digitize, I wouldn't. Whereas once upon a time, I would have been a snotty purist and been like, I will only do hand drawn and emission because I am a traditionalist. <laughs> um, now it's like, no, there's why? Yeah. I mean, why would you, with especially the... with the resources that were yes. that that are becoming more and more 
available. And yeah. the a- advent of Adult Swim made all these things possible. Now all these other ventures that <laughs> venture brothers, uh, like things. Oh my God, I had I I had uh, Frylock on the show, the uh, Carrying Means, the voice. Oh of really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And um, just I mean, look how big that show got, and that's just a silly, but what a concept and hilarious how how it worked out. You know, um, so yeah, anything's possible, but like mm-hmm. in closing here, um, we should, you should tell everybody where to find all your stuff, what they should be looking for. As for us, we are an iHeartRadio station and we are on Spotify. Um, also to check out our Facebook pages, both Jess Weary and myself, and you can go to Kettle Whistle Radio on Facebook. Give us a like for crying out loud. Got bands, got people in bands. Hit us up. Twitter That's at Fairly that. Dark. And there she is. What'd you say, Jess? We got shows coming up, too. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And conventions will keep you up to date with that, and hopefully you'll meet Brent at one of these. Um, All right, Brent, where do you want people to find you? Well, you can find all of the titles under Space Cadet Studio, as well as links to all of the the other projects that I mentioned, and a few that I didn't, um, at spacecadetsstudios.com. You can also find us on social media. We have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram. Just look for Space Cadets Studios. Look for that purple S with the green planet on the silver shield. That's our logo. Yes. And it's anywhere that we are. Um, And again, all of those links are on the website. So I just send people to spacekidatstudios.com. Jess, I wonder, I think, is he a candidate for celebrationofspirits.com, which I've been boasting about? say so yeah yeah definitely yeah, maybe an update um, there i like to try to collaborate as much as i possibly can with uh writers and artists and things like that so you know i would be more than happy to promote as well on the website yeah that's Rock on. celebrationofspirits.com and uh, all our bands that we played tonight including the one going out p mad i talked about earlier uh lowercase p mad one word uh kind of alt rock I dig these guys. We're trying to get them on. We're going to go out with their their newer song, actually. All of these bands are available on Bandcamp. Uh, Jess, are, are you on there? I actually am. You yeah, are now, right? I didn't think I was, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also How did that happen? on Spotify. I, I don't know. It just I must have done it like 10 years ago. Awesome. Brought well, my I'm, password, realized I'm on there, and I was like, oh, cool. Well, I haven't you, heard these songs in years. <laughs> do you have Amy Dearest on there? Um, that I'm not sure of, but Amy Dearest is definitely on Spotify. Okay. And I believe I will be posting that onto YouTube very soon as well as a lyric video. So. And Brent, uh, Jess and I have a new comic book, issue two of our comic book coming out soon. We'll see. Uh, you saw Dr. Peeler at our stand probably. I don't know if you or Chase, I don't know if Chase, did I give you one? Chase buy one? I forget. I bought one and yes. I have already read it and I meant to bring it up and I totally failed to. No, you're cool. Uh, but I'm excited to hear that you said issue two is yeah. out or on its way out. Um, we're soon? halfway done. No? It, it's written, it's done, storyboarded, and um, dad, her dad, is uh, probably, what, halfway? A little more than halfway, Jess? Yeah, I'd say so. He's He's been showing me little updates of the pictures and everything, and I'm really excited. Yeah, Jess being a main character, and uh, this time around yes. we, we do introduce a kaiju demon, which will be rather interesting to deal oh. with. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We can. We have ideas. Jess, Jess is definitely one of the writers as well as our muse. And uh, issue three will be even better. But we got to get that on too first. We don't want to scare him off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, just I won't say I won't say which, but I did notice one of my favorite little details in 
issue one okay. is the fact that somebody at Jess's concert is wearing a T-shirt for my favorite band, and I literally have a T-shirt that looks like a slightly more detailed version of that shirt, like something that you would simplify. Wait, yeah, yeah, uh, it was awesome. I was like, that's that's great, which, and I was literally listening to their new album when I was reading it, so I was like, ah, this is too well, good. Uh, Frail was featured uh, as in the, in the club scene. Uh, Jess Weary is opening up for Frail on the on that's, the board. Yeah, well, sorry, what, but it was like was, it, it was, was like right before a cell where Jess kicks ass right it was like right before oh. she has her action sequence anthrax i'm trying to and there's a girl that. running away with a blink 182 yeah. oh god yeah I was listening to the new album and i was like i was like this is i was like i love these people i don't even i barely know these people but i love this this is great, <laughs> that's, great. I've been listening. that's probably because i was listening to that uh the new blink 182 album like on repeat for so good weeks on end so did you did you happen to get the two bonus tracks on the digital version of this of the album? That I don't know, but the newest, uh, the one song that done hit my feels. Um, they all hit the feels. They're all. I, I'm trying to Which remember one? the name of it. Uh, the Which one one's a, What's the gist of it? In the relation I already... to Miss You. What's that? In relation to Miss You. Um, Tom singing. Re- um, oh, oh, that's the that's the title track. One more time. One more time. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I heard that song and I instantly cried. I was like, damn it. And it's like, wow. And it's all about them processing what they've been through and their multiple breakups. <laughs> I can only hope that I can come out with something just as impactful soon. <laughs> Rock on. I'm, I'm so yeah. Uh, wait a second. What? Wait, Jess, what? you've already achieved that. Your music's oh well. See, there you go. I don't. I don't have a frame of reference yet. Maybe you need to send me some links. So, because yeah. I was like, I can't speak to this yet, but I should be able to at this point. I feel like last time I performed in house, I made him and my father cry. There we go. So. Rock on. Yeah, she's yeah. Okay. She's got that quality, and she says too. This is interesting when musicians do this, Brent. What she plays is nothing like what she listens to. I always find that intriguing. I that is not the first time I've heard that from a musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's I, yeah. I also dig that. We get a lot of that here. What my genre is I will never be able to tell somebody what it is. Because Gen- I don't genre, know. genre, Jess. We'll just go with that. genres are constantly in shift anyway. Yeah, we they are, really are. The, the 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 more that we create and the more that technology gives everybody these tools to express themselves, mm-hmm. the more niching and subgenreing there is. So. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Do what you like and trust that you will find your niche within whatever genre that ends up being. Well, I'm going to say goodnight right? to the folks here. If you guys want to say goodnight, you can do the same wherever they are. It could be good morning. But I will not, but I will say guten Nacht. There we go. Guten Morgen. <laughs> Until next time, folks. You just met Brent M. Winzek. And thanks for listening. Lie on the left, lie on the right. Life is bright when you're right Life is bright
Pop culture. Subculture. Music. Horror. Sex. Politics. Art. And overall bad ass. This is Society 13. Redefining Podcasting. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An Electric Cast production. See you there. Electric Cast. Are you a fan of classic cinema or a young person who wants to discover the best films of all time? Do these legendary movies still hold up? On the Generation Film Podcast, two guys who grew up when movies dominated the culture share a great film with a panel of young movie lovers and see how it plays for today's generation. We discuss changes in storytelling styles, representation, and the making of each film, its initial reception, and how its meaning has changed over the years. Join us as we explore cinema classics across generations on Generation Film. Electric acid. Electric acid.